0: Um, I remember a couple years ago, I think it was 2018, Jewish year, 5759, from creation, 2018, year of our Lord. And from that Rosh Hashanah in the fall to the next, 5779, year 5779, I felt impressed that... Here at Mishkan David, God gave me a word for that year. And if you remember it, for those that were here, it was uh, the year of expansion. That was the word that kept coming to me at that point, year of expansion. And, you know, when you give. See, I'm a mathematical type of guy. If you're going to tell me a prophecy. Tell me what you really mean. Because nebulous prophecies yield nebulous interpretations. But that's the word he gave to me. Year of expansion. So you know the expression, two Jews, three opinions. Well, what did it mean, year of expansion? Well, anybody you ask here might give a different answer. Some might say, well, it was an expansion of love or an expansion of our our connection with each other. Or maybe there was an expansion of a ministry or something like that. I didn't really put much definition to what it meant, but in retrospect, when I think about the year of expansion and these perhaps fulfillments of it, it's so hard to put, you know, meaning and and, and something that's measurable to a a prophecy like that. You know, how many people have gotten like, you're going to be blessed this year. All right. And then the year goes by and well, you know, I did find that dollar. Yeah, maybe that was it. You know, I have good health. I had a healthy year. Maybe that's what God meant. I'm healthy. You know what I'm saying? When the prophecy is nebulous, the interpretations can be nebulous. But the only thing that was measurable to me, and you may disagree, like, oh, it was this or that. But the one thing that was measurable to me was as follows. In that year, that year was the year that Rabbi Peter became the rabbi of a whole new Mishkan in Connecticut. Mishkan Nachamu, which is meeting right now and is there to this day, about two and a half hours from here. And I remember thinking back then, and I remember sharing it, like the Shabbat after their first gathering. Like if, if, if the standing up, if God standing up a whole new Mishkan isn't expansion, I don't know what is. I remember sharing that at that time. And in retrospect, as I think of that year, if I'm looking for something that's measurable about the year of expansion, that was it. And I have to say that it is a blessing that when we get a prophecy or we're thinking about God's word, of course we interpret it through the lens of our life. And we interpret interpret it through the lens of our Maybe our, our family, we interpret it through the lens of the things that we're dealing with. And if it's something congregational, we'll interpret it through the lens of the congregation. What's going to happen right here? But if the standing up of a whole new Mishkan was the was the fulfillment of the expansion, it brings to mind that God's perspective is kingdom. And is far greater than our myopic, everyone know what the word myopic means? Like short-sighted or near-sighted. View of things. Because God has a kingdom. And the challenge is, we live in a home. Which is in a on a street. In a city. Which is part of a county. Which is part of a state. Which is part of a country which is part of this this natural world. So we, we tend to have our thoughts on the natural world, but there's something greater than this natural world, and that is the kingdom of God. And if there's anything that needs expansion, it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Yeshua gave parables about the expansion, not of a church, or synagogue. But he gave expansion of the kingdom. He spoke about it being like a, a mustard seed that turns into a tree. Expansion. That covers the whole earth. That birds can find its, its rest and its shade in it. Expansion. He spoke about the kingdom being like this little bit of leaven. And the woman found it and put it in the jar with the dough. And it ex- and went through the whole dough. Expansion. Expansion. Kingdom Expansion and it causes us when we realize that there is a kingdom it causes us to have our view higher than our perspectives of what we're dealing with because in spite of the challenges and the struggles and whatever we see with our natural eyes God is expanding a kingdom there is something that's bigger than you and me and Mishkan and Mishkan akamu And the United States and Elevation Church with its 100,000 members or whatever it is. There's something bigger. And that is God wants to expand his reality in this world from a kingdom perspective. From a kingdom perspective. And it's always good and it's always a reminder to elevate our sight to a kingdom perspective. This is why it says we fix our eyes on Yeshua. We fix our eyes on our problems. We fix our eyes on our trials or our finances or whatever it is. But the scripture says to fix our eyes on Yeshua. It's a higher perspective. It's a higher perspective. So much so he says that we're seated. It says in Ephesians, we're seated with him in heavenly places. And from that perspective... We see differently. Situations look differently when we think of his kingdom. Because we can take a look at, oh, I just look at what I'm doing. I just don't see fruit in my life. I just don't see fruit in my life. I planted this fruit tree, and I'm attending to it, and I just don't see fruit on it. But when we put on the kingdom goggles... You know, I got as a birthday gift from my mother and my stepfather back almost a month ago now, uh, an Oculus headset. Anybody know what that is? It's a virtual reality. It's kind of cool. You know, you can play these games and you're in like, oh, whoa, like in a whole other dimension. Hey, look at that. Wow. Hey, you know, oh, I'm going to touch that, you know. And It's really cool. The ping pong is pretty cool. Because I'm looking at it, and I got this ping-pong table in front of me, and the joystick, when I'm looking through the goggles, it looks like a ping-pong, right? I'm, I'm playing ping-pong. It's pretty cool. But we need to put on our Oculus spiritual goggles to take a look at what the Lord is doing. Because when we take them off and we look at things, we're like, we can get discouraged. Like, oh, I don't see the fruit on my fruit tree. But when we put on the spiritual kingdom goggles, maybe we'd realize that this... You know, you may not see any fruit in your tree, but some when you were sleeping, some bee went over to the tree, sucked up some pollen, went over to some other tree, and that tree is blossoming in a way that wouldn't have happened if you didn't plant that tree. That's kingdom perspective. We rejoice when God's reality expands. It brings our perspective higher. Going to the Messiah conference was a higher perspective. Because you realize that you're you're part of an incredible worldwide movement of Jews and Gentiles coming together in the name of Yeshua. And to bring his reality to the world. It brings you to a higher perspective when you see congregations and rabbis from all over the nations and all over this country. And people all worshiping together. It's a higher perspective. We're a part of something amazing. And it's always good to elevate our perspective on that. I, was, I keep thinking about what happened with the Roe versus Wade reversal. And for those that are new here, we are staunchly pro-life, fiercely pro-life. And many of us have been praying for protection of unborn humans or preborn humans at a national level, and now it happened. And we had, a, I believe, a little piece of that, because every week we were getting together. And how many people were in our prayer t- prayer time on Zoom? Three people, four people, seven people, maybe eight max on a on a good Monday. But take that's that's without the s- spiritual 3D goggles. You put on the kingdom goggles, and we see what Adonai is doing. We see prayers going up and God executing amazing miracles from the prayers of a few. And it, it blows you away when you put on those goggles. More so than when, like, I'm sitting in my house and I'm playing this, like, cool escape game now. You know, like, I'm in the uh, I'm in our little dinette area, and I gotta put the chairs away. You know, and I got the goggles on. I'm like, oh, wow, you know. And Susie's over there on the couch, and all she sees me is, like, you know, looking into nothing. But when you, when you put on those, God, when you put on the spiritual, the spiritual kingdom goggles, I encourage you to do that, to see what God is doing, to try to see what God is doing. And if you don't see what he's doing, ask him what he's doing above and beyond what you see. Because he's doing. It may not look like a lot, but you don't see what he's doing through it. Jonathan Kahn was up there, and he was, of course, talking about the Roe versus Wade reversal. And he was—he, it was so funny, like, how God does things that we don't even know. I hope this doesn't offend anybody, because I know there's a topic here um, that offends a lot of people. And it starts with a T, and it rhymes with shrump. So at, like, fall of 2020, like, he did this gathering called The Return. It wound up, he didn't even plan it that way, it wound up being on Shabbat Shuva, the Sabbath of return between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where it was like loads of people went to Washington, D.C. and were repenting, and and, and it was simulcast, and, and churches and synagogues played it, we did it here, a church even joined us here, we did it here, and I remember this one moment where he just had everybody go to their knees and you know everybody there on the mall, mall, National Mall in Washington, they went on their knees, and we went on our knees. And I just had this vision of this happening, like all around the world, because it was being broadcast all around the world. Like at one moment, everybody was going on their knees. How powerful is that? And then at the end, he sounded the shofar. He had a bunch of messianic rabbis. They sounded the shofar, and he, he was sharing. I, I remember this, and he was sharing about it. Little did he know at that point that at that exact moment, like to the minute, Trump came out with. Justice Barrett introduced her, Coney Barrett, who wound up, you know, being part of the ones who cast the vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. So we saw this connection between what he was doing and the reversal of Roe versus Wade, which is absolutely an answered prayer. And don't ever forget, like, where you were at that moment, because that was God moving. That was absolutely God moving. This was a miracle. The funny thing is, this was not on the minds. I mean, I was, you know what I mean? Because, like, you know, abortion and protecting the preborn human beings was always in the minds of believers. It never left since the early '70s, uh, when Roe versus Wade became, you know, uh, almost like almost like law. But in, I mean, but really, what was on the believers' minds back in fall of 2020? Like, what was first and foremost on everybody's minds? It was the election. Everybody was hyper focused on the election. And when something big, like the, uh, the return event happened, when everybody's at National Mall, Mo- and the, the forefront of people's minds is like, oh, I pray that Donald Trump gets reelected. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? Like, this is where everybody was. This is where the prayer focus was. Right? Like, and why? And I'm not not ascribing, I'm not saying he was good, I'm not saying he was bad, but I'll tell you that he was pro-life as a president, and I'll tell you he was pro-Israel as a president. Very much so. And those always get my thumbs up. You can think what you want about other things, like walls in the southern border, or taxes, or criminal justice reform. You can think what you want, but when it came to pro-life, it came to pro-Israel, it was good. And that always gets my thumbs up. And everybody was like wanting him to like be president, right? Do you remember this? It was like this fervor, prayer fervor to, he's got to be president. And it kept on going until January 6th. Turned out that it wasn't God's will for him to be president at this time. We know this in retrospect because that's when everything is clear in hindsight. And so now we have a new president. And people are like, when that happened, like, oh, it didn't happen the way we want. It didn't happen the way we want. All of a sudden. Who would have thunk it for those who've been praying for the reversal of Roe versus Wade for 50 years who would have thunk it that God would have done it with a pro-choice president, a pro-choice Senate, and a pro-choice House. Did anybody pray that way? No, nobody prayed that way. Why? Because of course in our human minds we're like we need to have this in order for it to happen, but God did a miracle. We cannot underestimate what he did was a miracle. And the way he set up the Senate was like, it's teetering right on the edge. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's like a majority, you know, pro-choice majority. But just enough, you know, moderates to keep it balanced. Just enough for the people of God to say, we got to pray into this. God is so good. He deserves our praise for what he does. Over and above how we're praying. We were praying this way. And it wasn't even God's will for, like, that to happen the way we thought. But God is doing something amazing over here. And he did it. Kingdom perspective. May we have kingdom perspective of God's ways are not our ways. And he's greater than even, it says, it says to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, we can... Ask or think. See, this is the problem we think. This is the problem. Because every time we think of something, God has to say, okay, now i got to up it. Because he says, I, I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above you can think. So we think of solutions. He's like, I oh, can't do that anymore. i got to up it. i got to go exceedingly above it. Lord, I want you to do that. Oh, they thought of it. i got to go above it. Nobody thought that he would do it the way he did. With a pro-choice president, a pro-choice senate, a pro-choice house, and wouldn't you know it, it happened. Go figure, you can't, who is like our God? There is none like our God. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. So I really encourage you to look higher from a kingdom perspective. You know, Moses in our Torah portion, he got to, you know, kind of got to go up on the hill and go up on the mountain and kind of take a look you know because he wasn't going to make it and he was kind of looking myopically you know what myopic means right but do we know what the the technical term is for the opposite of that so what's the technical term for being myopic if you are myopic you have what's the technical my myopia right yeah near side but the technical myopia You know what the opposite is? Hyperopia. Farsighted. Hyperopia. 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 I just learned that one. We need to be more hyperopic. And not myopic. When we look at the things of the world, what God is doing for his glory will cover the whole earth. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But his thoughts are for good, not for calamity. And he's working out something that's above and exceedingly above and beyond anything we could even think. And we praise God for that. And always remember that when you're looking at things in your life that you just don't see it. There's something greater happening in this thing. And even in the example of the bee coming and sucking out some pollen and bringing it over here and causing this other tree to, to flourish. That's all happening in the, like in the, in, in, at one time. But what about the things that God is doing across generations? You know, I remember somebody coming to me and saying, you know, I was this one girl and she was she got pregnant and she was coming to me and she was going to have an abortion. And I just spoke to her a little bit about it. Just like a little bit about it. To try to just encourage her a little bit, you know. And, and, and to see that... It's not just a little embryo in your womb or a zygote in your womb. There's potential generations there, generations. Because when the baby's fully developed and becomes an adult, that could be a parent of another, and those could be a parent of another. So it's not just one that you would be considering that you're considering ending the life of. It could be generations of people. It's good to have perspective 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 we have a couple of folks going into the parks now on sunday right and having a little prayer time with folks in the park you know and just being led by the lord and i'm so grateful that this is happening that's expansion right there i'm so grateful it's happening you know people are going to the park just a few people and just going to you know strangers and saying can i pray for you and just starting dialogue and praying and you know asking them what you know their relationship with god is and if they want to accept yeshua like this is like on the ground, boots on the ground ministry. I'm grateful it's happening. And we don't know what's happening in the hearts of the people when we pray for them. Let's put on those spiritual oculus goggles. I'm telling you, it's a different world when you put them on. And it's a different world in the spirit when you see what God is doing. The prophet had to Pull away the veil from his servants who just saw only the enemies coming. (laughs) And the prophet Elijah was like, oh, if you only saw. If you only saw what was behind this veil. Father, just remove the veil, even if it's just for a second, to see the armies of the Lord that are on our side. If they would only see it just for a moment, they would be encouraged. I encourage you to press in to see it for a moment. And if you don't see it, just believe with a little bit of that mustard seed of faith that it's there, because God is doing things far above what you can expect and what you even see. Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I just, I just don't see it. I don't see the fruit. I don't see the fruit. I don't see the fruit. Yeah. Wendy spoke about this the suicide hotline that she that she mans that she's doing just as a as a reaction to the the, the great suffering, the loss that she's experienced. You have no idea, like just the one little word that you may be speaking to one person on the phone and 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 the how that saving of a life can change generations you don't know and it can be so discouraging It's like oh, you know i don't want to do it i'm tired today <laughs> where's my coffee you know it's like you not want to do it but we, we just put on that the spiritual oculus goggles up. <laughs> it's god is doing amazing amazing things across generations moses needed to do it you know he was pretty bummed out when he was told that he couldn't you know that he couldn't enter the kingdom because he didn't speak to the rock he went you know right to the rock and god said no that's it you're done it seems so simple and so meaningless of what he did but nonetheless he couldn't make it into the kingdom and you could tell he's kind of bummed out You know, but at the end, God brought him up to this mountaintop to just look, to look, to look from a higher perspective and see what I'm going to do. And I believe that when it says that he had to go up and he looked to the north and the south and the east and the west, he wasn't just seeing the land. I personally believe that he was looking across time. I believe he was seeing Israel across time, even to the times of Mashiach it's something something unusual was happening like he was on the other side of the jordan river right he was on the other side of the jordan river which is east of israel right but he was there on the other side of the jordan and he was told to look to the north to the south to the east which is where everything was and to the west like, that's not Israel. But he had to look in all directions. Why did he have to look in all directions? I personally believe he was seeing something far greater than just land. He was seeing God's plan. And I always believed, and, and that was it. And after that, he died. That was it. After that, he died. Because I believe at that moment, he got it. He got it something was happening that's greater than him. Moshe Rabbeinu. Something greater than him was about to happen. And I believe, and I've shared this before, that he must have realized he wasn't supposed to get in. It was yet. It was his successor, Joshua, who shares the name of the Messiah, Yeshua, Yahushua. He's the one that brings us in. It couldn't have been Moses because if it was Moses, Moses is, 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 is the law. If he went in, it was all based on how well you did. Joshua goes in, now it's based on what he did for us. And Moses sees this and rejoices, I believe. Sees it from that perspective. Saying, I get it now, I get it, I get it. I get it. Whatever years you're dealing with that you just don't get, I pray that you get it. And if you don't get it, he's got it. And he will get it. And you will get it. That God is on the move. That God is expanding his kingdom. And you are critical in his body. One other thing we see in this Torah portion is the census. The people, everybody's counted. Everybody. Everybody's got to be counted. I mean, the simple lesson in that is that you count. Is that you matter in the kingdom. That's the simple lesson in it. You have a role to play in the kingdom. And you're essential for God. If you weren't essential, he wouldn't have counted you. But you count in the kingdom. You count in the kingdom. It's so funny because there's two censuses. Censuses? Sensei. There's two censuses. Sensei. Wax on. There's one at the beginning of the journey, and it's the census of the, of the generation that didn't make it in. And then there's a the census at the end of the census of those who took the land. Which generation are we? Now, everybody's going to say, we're the generation that takes the land. <laughs> and we are. But the way I see it is that we're both we're the generation that goes a certain point and hands the baton to another and rejoices with if that where they go that even if we don't and we're also the generation that takes the land and the previous generation is rejoicing over what God is doing through you and through us do you see it this is the kingdom perspective he gives a mission and it has its boundary and there's another that takes it even farther it's the same way moses handed off to joshua elijah handed off to elisha with a double portion aaron's first sons nadav and avihu you know got zapped on day one of the job did it wrong and fire came down from heaven and talmud says that the the lightning went up their nostrils This is Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff. His first son's wiped out. Generation later, Aaron's grandson, Pinchas, has the zeal to please the Lord so much. He says, you get a covenant of peace, which means that all the priests from now on come from you. One didn't get it. One does. And I believe just in the fullness of time in the cloud of witnesses, even Davinavi who are just rejoicing. I get it. I get it. I get it. So, Father, we just lift up God. What you're doing. We know, Father, that you are working in this hour. You're working in this land, you're working in this nation, you're working in this you're working in this world, Lord God. And there is a perspective above and beyond what we see and it is the kingdom perspective. Father, and may we all see what that kingdom perspective is, especially in our lives, because we can get so downtrodden by the details of what's going on in our lives. Father, open up, pull away the veil so we can see what you see. We just read about uh, Balak and Balaam, anglicized to Balak and Balaam, where the I'm not going to call him a prophet. Balaam was like a sorcerer. He was an evil guy. And he was hired. He was a hired hand by the king Balak to curse Israel. But he went up on that high place. the Same place maybe that Moses was when he saw. And he saw all the grumbling going on in the camp of israel we're hungry we're thirsty i can't stand the manna i want to go back the, the egypt was the land of milk and honey oh the leeks! i couldn't take the leeks and the oh the onions and the garlic i i gotta go back to it was it, it stinks here it's hot it's sweaty it's, it's you know the, the water was following us all these years and it dried up we're thirsty again i can't take it we got to get another leader it's, it's, it's just all this complaining, and now you got Balaam, this sorcerer guy, doesn't even you know, have a, that type of relationship with the Lord, a wicked, wicked man hired to curse him, and he goes up there, and he sees what's going on in the camp. And if I, re- I can repeat what was, what was going on in the camp. I can't take it. It's terrible here. I need to go back to Egypt. It stinks. It's hot. I haven't had a shower in 40 years. I, it's, it's, it's terrible. You know, this is what's happening in the camp. And then he goes to a higher perspective. And all he could say is, "Matovu, Israel. How lovely are your tents. Oh, Jacob, your tabernacles, O oh Israel. That's all he could say. Why did he say such a beautiful words of blessing over a congregation that was kvetching and complaining and bitter and rebellious? Because he saw things from God's perspective. In a moment, the veil was moved. Sadly for Bilam, the veil was put right back, and he went to Balak and said, "If you really want to get these guys, get the chicks over there to give, make him commit, you know, immorality." Like it, and he wound up dying. He was killed in a war. So he, the veil was removed, and whoop, it was put right back on this poor guy, Bilam. He almost made it, but he didn't. But when he, in that moment, he saw what God saw. Father, I just pray that those in this hearing just see what God sees. And if you don't see it, believe it. God is doing amazing, amazing things. You ain't seen nothing. Nothing yet. You ain't nothing yet. This is an amazing time that he's called us to be alive in. He is moving right now. Let's press into what God is doing. It's so far above and beyond what we see with our own little eyes. I'd buy all of you oculus goggles but they're three hundred dollars each and i'm not gonna do it and they make you dizzy yes i know (laughs) it's true yeah it was a gift from my mother and stepfather so father thank you adonai thank you lord god that you are doing amazing things exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask all that we can think all that we can imagine and it says to you be the glory forever thank you father we love you we love you. We love you. Father, I just speak blessing over those here who are discouraged in their life for things they're just not seeing the plan of God enacted in their life. Father, I just lift them up to you right now, God, for your just divine encouragement and a divine touch that you vow your love for them on the altar. Even in our mess-ups, you vow your love on the altar. and all of your days, you live them and your motivation is to bring you glory your motivation not is to bring glory to your people that's what Yeshua said the glory he spoke to his father the glory you give to me I give to them a life that's dedicated there's only one life that's dedicated Yeshua's life set apart for you only thank you father Thank you, we love you, we love you. In Yeshua's name, amen.